All right. We got a winner. Oh, we got a winner. We got a winner. Racing at Gulfstream. And here we go. It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week The Magic Mike Show You can trust the show is the bomb Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com What's up everybody, I'm Magic And I'm Mike And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 338 Mr. Samich Huzzah! We're back, we're going back to Gulfstream, man We didn't have enough fun with the craziness of that $8,500 pick 4 from Saturday Hey, let's go ahead and take another shot at Wednesday's pool How you doing today? Ah, I'm doing okay, man, I'm doing okay It was, uh Interesting football watching last night. We'll talk about that in a few minutes here. It's one of my best things I saw, and we'll talk about why. Um, that, that pick four sequence. I mean, that the turf race that we handicapped on there, the, the tropical turf, man, that was an interesting one because I am shocked Flying Scotsman didn't get the lead. And they went 23 and change, 46 and change, which is actually kind of slow for graded stakes going one mile over the, the Gulfstream Park turf course. So um, that was one of those where you like you see him rating. You're like, well, that's wrong. That horse isn't winning now. Yeah, well, okay, so he did. Bre- he blew the break. He was slow out of the gate, and I don't know why the jockey, the jockey kind of gave him a little bit of a push, but then he didn't, like, keep going. I was like, you need to descend, like, especially yeah. if you break poorly. You need to quarter horse that son of a gun out of there uh, to have any shot of winning. So, ironically, the horse that won and blew up our pick four ticket of the first leg got the exact trip that we both thought Flying Scotsman did, and not only that, the trainer thought that. In the post-race comments, he's like, we thought Flying Scotsman was going to go, but he broke kind of slow, so we just kind of went, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy part about this. And we talked about how we thought that they would let Flying Scotsman go because he was the one horse that absolutely had to get the lead. And it sounds like they were prepared to do that. And uh, for some reason, Lannery split the the, the two foes in, in the seven and the two and just didn't commit to the send, um, which was shocking to me. I just, I, I don't, it's one thing when a horse is, you know, one to five and clearly the best horse in the field and you have to change your tactics a little bit mid-race. It's another thing when you are 15-to-1 morning line, get bet down to 7-to-1, probably should have been more like 15-to-1. You're not the best horse. You need to kind of you need kind of do what you're good at and not try and change your strategy there mid-race. It's a head-scratcher from Lannery. I, I, maybe something wasn't – he didn't feel it with the horse or whenever he was gunning. I know there was a, a Velasquez horse over the weekend, I bet, at Santa Anita that Velasquez was pumping and pumping and pumping, and the horse just did not go, and then Pratt ended up winning because Pratt did the same thing that Leif Rue did here. He looked over. He's like, you're not going? All right, I'll take it, and then it ends up winning. So um, sometimes, listen, we, we can sit here and blame the jockey – Jockeys are like, there's nothing there. What do you want me to do? I'm stepping on the gas and it's on E. But um, it was if you hit, if you connected on that, congratulations. I know that the the, the Cassie horse in the finale <laughs> uh, that I liked, apparently some people really loved, uh, uh, the younger brother of uh, Tap It to Win and then another sibling that's won some stakes races. So uh, the horse got the win, but we're going to try and do better than two for four <laughs> on today's yeah, show. Man. That was one of those when you saw the board, like, oh, this five is live. Like, if I, yep. I retroactively, I would have loved to include that horse because when you see a 15 to 1 morning and Cassie and a tappet horse, and that horse gets bet down to 4 to 1, I think it was, uh, yep. you're like, hmm, 
yep, that horse going well. Like you can kind of tell just by looking at the board in those spots. Uh, I had turned it off after the second leg because I was like, I clearly did not see this well. I'm just going to focus on Santa Anita. So um, I didn't see it happen, but I had a few people message me and say that. So I went back and watched. And yeah, horse ran. Ran pretty well. Not that I'd like to say, like, I knew it. I, I was like six deep that race. So I'm not, I didn't exactly single the horse. It was interesting, too. We went wire to wire, and the, the gate scratch of the six, I think, made a big difference for everybody in that race. Because that, that was a Harmio horse, Zappa Harmio horse that you thought was going to go out. And I, I agree with you. It probably would have made the lead. Uh, Paco, for some reason, didn't send the two. Like, wild that he broke well and didn't send the two there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, anyway, it, the, the six coming out of that race really helped the five, I think. Uh, before we get into it, Mike, what is the best thing? I know you had a couple of things. Can I just yeah. say I have a one best thing, and mine is watching Twitter last night during one of the best things that you're going to talk about. I didn't watch the game. I just watched Twitter, and it was great. Yeah, the, the, the betting sports thing I saw because it is absolutely incredible what happened last night in two two different areas. So first off, this football game. Um, the football game, the Sunday night game, if you didn't know, both teams could essentially take knees. Um, and if they both take knees the whole game and tie, they both make the playoffs. If one if either loses, they're out. So – uh, there's a bunch of these parlays that got put in by a bunch of people playing every under tie first half tie game, 50 bucks win 75,000, all the crazy stuff. But there's over a million dollar liability to the tie because the tie was 12 to one in a lot of places. So there's all these people betting this 12 to one prop bet. And then you come down to the last part of the game and it really should have hit. I mean, the game should have ended in a tie, but you have just moronic timeout from, uh, from Staley, the, the coach of the chargers if you're going to use one, you use two just to show them you're not going to use any more. Say, hey, I'm drawing, draining my timeouts. Just go ahead, end the game. And then you have an even dumber timeout <laughs> from the Raiders who literally could just let the clock out, run out and make the playoffs. Instead, they want to kick a field goal, which, by the way, could have gotten blocked and run back. Like There are ways they lose that football game if they snap the ball again. There is no way you miss the playoffs if you don't call that timeout and don't snap the football again. It's just over and you're in. So it's an absolutely epic ending but because they decided to call this timeout and then kick this field goal, millions of dollars slips in. So crazy there. Number two, last night, I don't know if you saw this, uh, the Warriors, Clay Thompson returned. And Draymond Green decided he wanted to be on the floor for the return. So they let the opposing team know that seven second, that he was going to take the tip, foul immediately, and then leave the game and not return. Well, it gets tweeted out at, at uh, 732, I believe it is, or 832, one of the two. All of these sports book took million dollars worth of bets on Draymond Green's unders. And since he started, they're all live. And so there's this huge controversy now of whether or not they should be paid out because it was a planned event. But he has a stat, a foul. So seven seconds in, he fouled someone. So he has a stat line. He played in yeah. the game. He started the game. It checks all the boxes for the rules. And they are literally millions of dollars in the hole if they pay all these out. Two of the three American sports books have paid him out already. DraftKings has not paid him out yet. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these these prop bets too, because it's it's wild that this early in, and of course yesterday is the first day for New York to bet as well. It's wild this early into like the U.S. gambling market, you have these massive decisions that are flipping one way or the other. This is crazy. I'm reading about this right now. Yeah, the FanDuel was the first one to to hear about it, and DraftKings soon after. But um, wow. Wow, this is incredible. Millions of dollars. They're saying it could be up to eight figures worth of liability because people are betting, you know, thousand dollar parlays that pay hundred and fifty grand because yeah. they're playing the alt under. So under a half rebound, under a half point, under a half assist on Draymond Green, all at massive plus numbers parlayed together in the same game. <laughs> it's just like it's crazy some of the tickets you can see out there. This is great. Uh, there's a really great article I'm looking at. Go to actionnetwork.com or just Google uh, Draymond Green and Action Network. It'll pop up. Uh, that's a great story explaining it. That's really crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, 
Wow. I love what crazy stuff like that. The weird sports betting shit that's happening now because it's just become legal and what people are like, how in depth people get into it. I don't think people realize like people are hawking these sites constantly to try and find one bad line to bet. And that's all they do. That's their job. That's their living. Right. And so you have situations like this Draymond Green thing where the books just, I don't think they realize all the places that they have liabilities and people are just waiting to crush them. I was trying to get my uh, Detroit Lions jersey updated. I was going to, at 72, I was going to try and put this number on it since we got the number two draft pick. Uh, after beating the Green Bay Packers, that was pretty cool. I should have said that was the best thing. I didn't watch it, but, um, you know, anytime we beat Aaron Rodgers, even if it's meaningless, or in this case, I guess not meaningless, it hurt us a little bit, but uh, yeah, we weren't, we weren't going to get number one. That's fine. Well, at least there's not like a, a stud quarterback here. Like this is right. one of those draft classes where you're kind of like, eh, eh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, when I text you guys, who's in the running? You're like, yeah, nobody really that great. I was like, okay, great. And this is, yeah, uh, yeah I'm real excited. Yay. Uh, I am actually excited to talk about Gulfstream. We're going to be looking at the Wednesday late pick four pre- uh, ticket sequence. Give out our tickets for the show. Let's get into it, Mike. Riders up. did seven videos with Aaron Halchman that'll be on the YouTube channel. So go to youtube.com slash racing dudes later and, and check that out. Uh, but my, <laughs> I had to take a break and just kind of massage my mouth because it's just 45 straight minutes of, of talking, which is different than this. That is very scripted and very structured. This, it's all loosey-goosey and kind of wild. So uh, forgive me for stumbling over things, but we'll kick <laughs> off the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park on Wednesday, January 12th, race seven, a six furlong dirt sprint. For seven three-year-old males at the 35K starter allowance, optional claimer level. Favoritism is on number three, Frosted Armor at five to two, dropping back in for a tag. You have Yes, I'm a Beast on the rail at three to one. Number four, Adventure Seeker at four to one. Both multiple winners in this field. Mike, both have three wins, actually, to their name so far. Uh, who's your top pick in this race? This is one of those interesting spots. Generally, in these, these races, and I'm going to look for horses that have run against better. Because a lot of times, you have horses that are coming out of like $75,000 optional allowances, things like that. You have a couple horses or one horse that's coming out of a that was in a stakes race earlier. But this time, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I just I look at the horses that have more experience, specifically the six, the four, um, and the one who have both run against better, or all run against better. I don't really like any of them. Um, I ended up on the two horse, the horse that I generally wouldn't pick. First time against winners, just won a maiden special weight. But I love the fact, I'm not sure if I ride will actually ride this horse um, because he was injured on Saturday. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to uh, be able to ride here on Wednesday or not. But I love the fact that he at least took them out because he does not ride for David Fox very often. Uh, Fox, t- 21% trainer, 17% right now at Gulfstream. He's been doing well. This would be only be the third ride um, that you would see from uh, I read on a Fox horse. Now, what's interesting about this is a Haramio is generally his go-to rider, and he is not. T- he does not take the ride here, right? He's on the four horse, who he's ridden every step of the way. Um, he gets I read to take this mount, and note that David Fox owns part of this horse. So I think it's awfully interesting that you have the trainer here who doesn't take get I read up very often, who then gets I read, and it's on a horse he owns. By the way, that race was pretty darn good, and this is a, the one horse in this race who has, in my mind, an I like a logical improvement spot here. It's second start, so you can take a huge step forward. I like the 92 price. I think I like the fact that we have tactical speed. First time Lasix, just like everyone else in this group. Um, but I like the fact that the horse was able to, to make up ground against everyone else last time out. I also love the fact we get 31% when the one last start uh, here with Fox as well. So to me, the 92 price on the two horse uh, was the way to go. 
Boy, I was uh, I was kind of on the fence with the two. You almost might have pushed me over the limit. You made all good points. And by the way, as far as I can tell, Irad is still slated to ride uh, beginning Wednesday. Um, so it seems like that Sornis is uh, no more. Um, I didn't use the two here, but you make great points for it. And really, unlike everyone else, this horse hasn't disappointed yet. Just one start, one win, zero disappointments. <laughs> good so far. Uh, my top pick is one of the ones that you said you don't like. I'm going to use the Ford Venture Seeker, and a big reason is you talked about it. Michio Jaramillo has been with this horse every step of the way as he's about to make his seventh start. Jaramillo is also riding through the claim. That's If you listen to the show, you know that's a huge angle for me when a good rider like this uh, continues to ride through the claim. This horse has won three of his last four starts. I mentioned that he has the three wins, but if you forget those first two, including the second one was actually against state bread. That's his only really bad race in, in, on his form. All these times when he's run for a tag, he's been pretty good. He's three for five at the distance. He's got that going for him. Uh, he did lose to Yes, I'm a Beast, who I didn't use, um, but that was three back, and a big change happened there. If you look on the form, you see between 120 and B, there's an F added. The F, if you don't know, means front wraps, and what that is is when a horse has some tendon issues, they need to give a little support, some sore shins maybe, the front wraps are put on to give that support. We put the front wraps on, suddenly we're a superstar. <laughs> uh, Barry Croft claims the horse. He's 0 for 5. The horse is first off the claim, but... I'm, I, the fact that Haramio sees fit to keep riding through for the barn, I'm going to go ahead and ride through. Um, there's more on this, but I'll, I will save it in case you try and push back. But I did like Adventure Seeker on top. Yeah, I'm going to push back. And, and the problem is the Barry <laughs> Croft part of this. Like, yes, the, the front wraps clearly helps the horse. Barry Croft is a 3% trainer. Catherine O'Neill, uh, who, who or, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, Kathleen O'Connell. <laughs> yeah, uh, wrong, wrong Irish name there. Kathleen O'Connell uh, <laughs> is eighteen percent. So you're, yep. you're you're getting a massive, massive downgrade here. And from a barn perspective, I just can't take four to one on a barn that is literally three for fifty-seven. Um, that's a big problem for me. And, and it's, it's so the com combining the price with the with the claim is is what what really hurt for me. Cindy, I, I think this is a shout out for uh, North Dakota State who won the uh, yeah. championship. Congratulations, Clarkson. And Cindy, also, uh, you got to DM me your address too. You won a t shirt, I think it was uh, two weeks back. So hit me up or two episodes back. So shoot me a DM yep. with your address. I'll get that out for you. Sorry, I didn't know if there was more there. I was looking for that. She said, ride the bison. I thought maybe there's a horse with bison in the name. I was looking through, and I thought maybe there was a segue, and then uh, there wasn't. Well, I'll just keep going. Another horse that you said you didn't like that I used is the six, one more scores, uh, 10 to 1 in here. This is going to be a fun show. Uh, this horse, here's, here's what I like about this, Mike. This horse, uh -huh. seven, seven career starts. His race for a tag one time against 50K level, one by 14 links. Tyler Gaffleon rides this horse last time out against Straight Allowance Company, uh, Florida Breds. Horse is speed and quick, gets its ass beat. Why would Gaffleone ride this horse back if it if it was any good? Unless it was any good. So I think the fact that Gaffleone is riding, um, I'm going to go ahead and use there. I really like that angle for it. Uh, we're getting first-time six. We are cutting back slightly in distance there. But really the big angle, it was Gaffleone riding, and he's 23% with Fernando Abreu at Gulfstream Park. Yeah, I mean, my problem with this horse, it needs the lead. And I don't think it gets the lead. And in that one race that you referenced where it won by 13, it was 80 cents on the dollar favorite. And it's not going to be anywhere near that that good here. So clearly the dominant horse in that race. And I, this is one of those need the lead horses. And I think the problem for your six is the four, to be honest with you. I, I think a venture seeker is the horse that's going to make the lead here. And that's going to make the uh, make it a long day for, for one more score. Um, uh, to be fair, though, I did go too deep here. And, and I, I, I used my two must uses on the ticket. My next pick were the four and the six in here. I don't love anyone else. I think the one is a pretty easy fade. Um, the seven for me was was kind of on the fence a little bit, but I, I didn't end up using them there. I went two and three here. So Frosted Armor is the other horse that I'm going to use. Uh, it's five to two morning line choice. 
I like the race two back. I, I thought that that was a nice race to be able to win against a 10 horse field and 50 K uh, maiden claimer. It's, it's one of the higher levels. If you look at where these horses broke their maiden at, I mean, a lot of them are in the maiden claimer level. It's one of the reasons why I don't mind taking the two horse first time out against winners, because a lot of these had to face maiden claimers to be able to break their maiden. Uh, in fact, the only one who didn't was the seven icy storm. So, uh, and that was at uh, with a bad buyer at Indiana. So to me, this field just isn't that great. If you look at that race two back frosted armor ran it, it really towers over this field for the most part. Um, and again, I like the fact that the horse was able to get the job done from off the pace because I do think you're going to see the one horse is going to try and send. The four horse is going to go. The five horse has got speed in Paco. The six horse is going to go. I, I think you're going to see him stack up on, up front. I think the two and the three are both going to trip out here. Three was the last horse I used here. Um, and I was curious. I almost didn't, but I wanted to see how the rest of my ticket went, how chalky it went. And so I, it didn't get too chalky, so I did use. Um, this horse is also, on top of everything great that you mentioned, is a half-brother to a four-time grade three winner named Tommy Macho. Three of those four grade three wins were eight furlongs at Gulfstream Park on the dirt. So um, if you if you like that angle, this horse's bloodline loves Gulfstream Park. Um, I've been a little worried that that 69 buyer two back is going to make him overbet, but uh, if he can get back to that because he's not a need-the-lead type like the other horses I'm using in here are um, or seem to be, I think this horse is going to get a great position. And it makes me feel better that you said – I haven't looked at your ticket yet. You said we haven't agreed on a whole lot. So that you went with that one when I was kind of iffy about it makes me feel better about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we do have some disagreements later. It's going to be fun. I, I'm, I'm not shocked. I expected you to use the four. I'm surprised you used the six here. Uh, we'll move on to the second leg of the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park on Wednesday, January 12th. Race eight. It's a one-turn dirt mile for eight older males at the 40K starter allowance level. Favoritism is on number two, Tiz Rye Time, at eight to five. He drew inside of all the other short price favorites who are out in six, seven, and eight. Uh, this is an Irad Ortiz Jr. riding for Safi Joseph, the horse's favorite at eight to five on, at Gulfstream Park. So what are the odds that I probably singled him? Now, you know I didn't because you cheated and you saw my ticket, but uh, this feels like a horse I, I almost singled. I didn't, but I almost did. It does feel like a singleable horse for you. And I actually, after going through these first two races, I was planning on playing just a single $2 ticket, but I, I don't like the favorites in the next. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I did use the two on top here. I think Tiz Dry Time is the best horse. I have some some seconditis worries for Tiz Dry Time, who's been second in this last Three starts, four seconds, and ten starts this year. Hasn't won a race in 2020 or 2021. Generally not great stats for a favorite. Um, <laughs> not what you're really looking for, especially when it's not like, you know, non-winners are one in a year or something. Um, so have some concerns about Tiz Rye Time running second in this race. Um, there's not a ton of pace in here either, and he's most likely going to be coming from a little bit off it. Um, but, I, you know, I do think Tiz Rye Time is the best horse. The other must-use for me was the eight critical threat. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this horse either because it's really the other logical horse in my mind. Um, coming out of six and a half furlong races, you'd assume this is going to be a pretty forwardly placed horse in this race without a ton of speed. I actually expect the eight to sit just outside of the one and get a really nice trip here. If the mile distance is good, and it should be with a, a Mashawish, a son of Mashawish, uh, out of a spites down there, the distance shouldn't be an issue here to get that extra, you know, furlong and a half. And he's been closing in the last two efforts as well. So I, the two and the eight are the two logical horses. I went three deep because I do like a price here. Um, and that's kind of why I flew through those two. I'll let you try and explain why you like a 20 to one shot now. Looking forward to it. Because uh, I disagree on who's setting the pace. I think it's the real horse, Menelik. I think this horse has one shot in hell of winning this race, and that's to go. Um, if you look at the race four back when he broke his maiden over the course going seven furlongs, he was able to put in faster fractions than, uh, than what he did two back over this configuration. He got off with it a little bit easier two back, but it was at the $35,000 claiming level. Vasquez sent. 
Last time out, goes to a higher class, and Vasquez doesn't send, tries to rate and see if the horse can hold on. Well, clearly, the horse didn't. So if Vasquez can get this horse out cleanly, which doesn't have a history of breaking poorly, and I love to bet horses who break poorly, uh, this horse doesn't have that. If he can break cleanly from the rail, his only chance is to go. But he also has the highest time form U.S. early pace figure. He's the only one in the triple digits there. So time form agrees that he should be trying to get to the lead as well. Um, and Vasquez, by the way, 3 for 9 for Happy Alter, who's 0 for 5 so far to start the meet, but uh, was 15% in 2021. So it's not as bad as uh, percentages my top two picks in the last race. Well, and he also, you know, he's got the, the win one, then the terrible race, win one, terrible race, uh, little, Boom. little rotation going. The Casa and Creed the, angle. I love it. Let's do and it. And the 34-1 uh, workout. Just to, to blow one out right before the race as well, that three furlong work that you love. So I understand why, why you're using him. I do think he makes the lead. I, I just think that he's a little outclassed by this group. He's taking a step up, and I think there's some mm -hmm. decent horses in here. Um, you know what? I'm going to take a shot at a price as well. Uh, I'm going to go with the five gump at a little bit of a price here at 15 to 1. Uh, Carlos David gets this horse into his barn. It's interesting. This horse actually switched barns four times, but never ownership groups. You don't see that all that often, especially when it's only run in Florida. Uh, so a little, little interesting nugget there. Look, I think that you're going to, I think this horse is going to be able to sit a very good trip. I'm expecting probably third, fourth, somewhere right in that range. And there's enough races here. Like if you go back to the mile races that we saw back in last May, the horse actually ran really well, it was running low 80 buyers, includes a 90 buyer going the one turn mile. I think this one turn mile is kind of what the horse wants. This is now going to be the third um, in the Carlos David barn. And you can draw a line through that last one. If you watch that race back, the horse stumbled really bad at the break. It was just over. That's why he was so far off the pace. I think you're getting a 15 to 1 price because of how bad that race was. I don't think that race was like anything that you can really take anything from. You just kind of have to draw a line through it and move along. So uh, for me, I think the five has back races you can point to. And I like the fact that we get third time Carlos David Barn here. Alvarado up. Uh, let's take a shot at 15 to 1. You're getting 15 to 1 because this horse hasn't won since the two horse won. Like you talked about how the two horse has only one win. It came 2019. He's won since the five horses. <laughs> like that's, that is bad. I, I mean, I, you're getting 15 to 1, so I'm not going to knock it. You're getting a price on him. But um, boy, these are some not good horses. They do not like to win. At least he had a year layoff. Like he, he took a full year off. So let's give him a little, let's give him a little bit of slack there, right? <laughs> well, the, uh, the two horse. Two Horse actually almost did take a year off as well from February 2020 to January 31st, 2021. A anyways, it, he was also with a trainer yeah. that's probably not going to win as often as Safi. <laughs> yeah, that's also very true. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Uh, listen, we both like the two as the favorite there. Very logical play. So uh, if you're thinking about going deeper in other legs, hey, maybe this is a, a leg that you end up singling. Let's move on to the penultimate leg of the late pick four at Gulfstream on Wednesday, January 12th. We've got race nine heading to the Tapita for a five and a half furlong sprint. Eight three-year-old Florida-bred fillies at the first allowance level. Favoritism on number five, Chocoloso, five to two. Uh, taking a class drop, cutting back from routing. Larry Valley actually has two in here. He also has the number seven, Naughty Naughty, at nine to two. I only used one of them. I know it's a cardinal sin. Where'd you go on top? Well, let me tell you, I checked both Ravellis out. Um, there you go. Ar Arlington form has not been great. And closing from way off the pace, going five, and, or five furlongs on the synthetic has not been great. Uh, that pretty much knocks out both of those horses to me, both the Ravelli horses. So I went with a price on top. I went to the inside horse, Mount Sinai. Uh, we're getting eight to one. We're getting Saya's aboard. Uh, this is an interesting one. So like one of the things I talked about is specifically synthetic win percentage and how important that is for trainers at Gulfstream, much like, like when we were doing a turf sprint, when it's a specialty type race. I'm interested in trainers who have high percentages at that specialty, right? So turf sprinting, I think, is a great example. of. I always look at what was the, the specifically the trainer's turf sprint percentage. 
Well, this is one where you're going from Zappa, who doesn't have a huge number because it's newer in in, in Florida, and that's where he's generally based, to Steve uh, Claris, who is 30% on synthetic so far. And he claims this horse. Um, he claims this horse for 12.5 out of claimer, moves it up to $16,000 maiden claimer. The horse airs the field. Um, and the winner, the, the, there's a next out winner who runs second in that race. And now we're moving up into a protected level, state bred. The, the last one was open. You get Sias to ride back. You're getting eight to one. Uh, to me, it's all systems go on the one horse Mount Sinai, who actually should get a very, very good trip here. I want that horse that is just going to be able to stalk and pounce. That's exactly what we're getting with the one horse Mount Sinai. I think it's telling that uh, that that horse between the different barns has had a speed ho- jockey and either Saez or Jaramillo aboard. Um, I went back and forth on using her. I didn't. Um, man, I, it could she, I, th- I think she's got the great speed. I just wasn't sure class level-wise what she beat because I know that Brody's Causeway won next out, but won at that same level made in 16 open, whereas we're moving up a little bit. So uh, I think we just – to me, it's just a little bit too much of a class test, but – this is a horse that I think could definitely uh, bite me in the ass. I'm looking at our tickets now. We agreed on one horse. Let's talk about it. The eight. Let's go all the way outside. Uh, oh, boy. How do you want to say that name? Do you want to take a shot at it? Pomia? Poima. Poima. Uh, anyway, Poima actually happens to be my top pick at six to one here. Uh, she showed out. She showed last time out. If she can just get a fast track and a clean break, she's going to be gone. Hopefully, um, I don't. There is a lot of speed in this race, so I don't know that she's going to get the same uh, kind of runaway trip that she did last out. But uh, if you look at how she, you know she debuts on the synthetic, so Larry Bates uh, thought that that's where she should go. I'm a little nervous. Larry Bates is 0 for 8 in synthetic, and you mentioned on a previous show that you noticed a trend at Gulfstream that. The synthetic horses tended to be better. The one more often were from barns that had higher percentages. Not a flat rule, but that was something you were looking at. Um, I think first time Lasix is going to be good for her. Um, I think she's faster than the three, so I think she's at least going to be sitting on the outside and pressing whoever is leading if it's not her. And I like that she broke her maiden against straight maidens. She didn't face Florida Brits to do it. They just went on the dirt against straight, you know, straight maidens, uh, and she got the job done. So. All of that for me, I, that's why she's my top pick. And I think a six to one, I'm getting a really nice price. Yeah, this is actually my other must use horse. I, I disagree with it. There's a ton of speed in here. I think this is the oh, speed okay. of the speed. Um, and, and like, the, yeah, there are three other, two other horses that went wire to wire. The seven horse did it going 23, yeah, 2347, right? That's not that fast. We're going to go faster than that up on the outside. And then if you go to the three horse, who's your other, other speed horse, 22 and 246 and one. Um, I'm just not sure that either of them are going to be as fast. And I, so I think, I think Poima is the, the horse that's going to be out there to catch. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's able to take it wire to wire. I'd be more concerned with David's Rose than anyone, but, but Paco has been so lackadaisical on getting these horses to the front on both the synthetic and the turf. I, like usually he's wildly aggressive and he just has been, I'm going to rate in both these spots. And, and the other thing that I think that's really important with, with Poima that, that I want to make sure we mention, we talked about how, early on in the synthetic course it was impossible to go wire to wire mm-hmm. the first race for this horse was on the synthetic at Gulfstream. horse tried to wire the field and just quit late this this course is much more catered now for someone to go wire to wire especially with this five and a half furlong distance so you're you're you were against a track bias when you ran that first race on the synthetic and now that track is evened out i don't think there's much of a bias anymore on the synthetic and if that bias is gone, you could expect a nice improvement here from the eight and, and should be able to hold a little bit better than that first time over the synth. That was the last note that I had on the horse. The course was dead for speed back then is much fairer now. Uh, who are you going with else? Uh, or where else are you going in this race? Let me rephrase. I am going to use David's Rose. Um, this one's kind of was, was on the fence for me, but I'm, I'm going to use Paco here in this spot. 
I think that if he takes a step forward, this horse is dangerous. You're going to need to see some nice numbers. But I like the fact that we tried turf uh, right off the break there in that $35,000 maiden, maiden claimer level and then tried a turf stakes, which was eventually rained off. Um, horses that, that they're trying to get onto the turf generally have a little bit better synth synthetic performance. So I'm going to give it take a shot with the three Davids rows. And then I like the horse right to the inside. Um, arrow shape at 10 to 1 is going to be my other, my other use here. This one to me is just really interesting. You have a nice win to break your maiden. And then you jump up to the $75,000 level. They drop back down and put this horse on synth to put it in a $35,000 claimer. And the horse runs really, really well. Um, it didn't break well, had to swing four wide, but it was driving at the end. The extra half furlong might have won the race. Uh, now we're going going to five and a half. We're going back on synthetic for the second time. Third off the layoff. If we can take another step forward, this horse's numbers fit i mean he actually has what the highest last out buyer and the second highest buyer overall in the entire field um and we're getting 10 to 1 right now so i'm gonna take a little bit of a shot there with the two arrow shape as well uh no shame in taking that horse i did give a closer look at her you uh, you're hoping for a little bit of an inside bias on the synth course there using horses one two three uh and then eight all the way on the outside in case the inside doesn't work um i'm just, I'm I'm just going with the best horse bias <laughs> Nice response. I'm going to use number six, Fire and Spice, as my second uh, start. This is a horse that uh, she's only run once, but, again, hasn't disappointed. Uh, she wins over this course and distance in the maiden optional claiming spot. Uh, because she's Florida bred, was not eligible for a tag, so uh, it, it's she's uh, they have, uh, love her enough that they have not risked her for a tag yet. You were saying – I can already tell why you don't like her, because you think that the speed is going to be holding for this sprint. I'm playing this in case there is a bunch of speed or stuff collapses. Um, she also, by the way, did not, she's not going to be, shouldn't be as far back as she was in her debut. She hit the gate, was all over the place at the start. If she can get out cleanly, and I like that she's only going to have two horses to her outside, I think she'll sit closer. And if or when there's a pace collapse, I think she's going to be right there to jump. Um, I like that Chris Davis has been working her on turf to, uh, to get her ready for that synth race and then brings her right back. That was just on December 23rd. Wheeling her back pretty quick, but Chris Davis, 16% uh, overall last year, so he's not a dummy. He knows what he's doing. Uh, am I correct about why you did not use the six? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a slow race. The, the, I mean, everything was just kind of slow about it. That was my main reason for not using it. Um, I, I'm just not a huge Chris Davis fan either. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like, but I, I everything's going to need to go right for that horse to be able to win. For this, and, and Fire and Spice could get the job done. I mean, it was one of the ones that I looked at. I was kind of between the three and the six. Um, for which direction to go, ended up with the three. So I, I like, I get why you used it. It just seems slow. Last one I used, I did use the favorite Chocoloso because um, I mentioned I used one of the two Ravelli horses. I think this is the better of the two. Irad's taking the mount, which is a big key for me. Um, broke the maiden, not just on synthetic, but in a stakes race, which caught my attention. She was 36 to 1 that day, so a lot of people were surprised, but it was a stakes with nine, uh, eight other horses in it. Um, I don't love that this is by far the lowest odd she's ever going to be when she was 6 to 1 last out and got her ass kicked, but... Like I said, I thought that there was a lot of speed. I think you're. I'm going to want a horse coming from off, and I'm getting Irad aboard, and that was a big key to me. But again, if you were Mike are looking at this thing and speed's going to hold, I clearly see why you're not going to use the five. Well, not just that. This this horse seems seems slow early to me. I mean, that was my biggest issue here is that I I think you this horse could be ten lengths back, and that's it's one thing that I think speed's going to hold. It's another if you need you're dead closing on this course right now, and mm -hmm. I just. Being a dead closer going five and a half, you haven't seen anyone doing that right now. And, and that's what I think you're going to see from a trip on the five. And yeah, I read might get the horse a little more forwardly placed. We know that he is an aggressive rider and he was riding aggressively when, when he was uh, healthy at, at Gulfstream. But ah, man, to, 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 this horse is going to get way over bet. I mean, that's my other issue. Five to mm. two is a pipe dream. You're going to end up with 
six to five, seven to five on this five horse. And if I'm going to use a six to five or seven to five, I'm going four deep. And I don't really like the horse to me. It's just one that I can't include. Makes perfect sense. We'll move on to the fourth leg here. Uh, the last leg at Gulfstream Park for Wednesday's late pick four sequence. Uh, this is a race 10. Puts us on the turf. Mile-long route for older maiden fillies and mares. The Florida Breds run protected. Everybody else, they're in for a $40,000 tag. Your favorite is the nine horse, my Sunny Valentine, owned and bred by Dennis Drazen, CEO of Monmouth Park. I wonder if she'll race with a whip with Luis Saez. Nearly got the job done last out of Aqueduct, but outside draw, probably not going to do her any favors here. So where'd you go on top? I went with a nine on top. This is clearly the best horse in the field. Uh, it, it's, I think the nine is deserving as a nine to five favorite. Um, I, so I'm not going to try and fade the horse, but I, I don't, I, the draw scares me a little bit. The fact that this horse, you know, ran good enough a couple times to be in contention and just didn't pass anyone scares me a little bit. The fact that, you know, some of these races, they just, they're not as good as they actually look on paper. Those, you know, you got two forced and two made special weights, but lost by 14 and 16. Um, so there, there's enough here that that has me concerned about the nine horse. Although I do think you're going to get a pretty good trip. There's, there's quite a bit of speed in this spot. I, you could end up with four or five different horses on the lead and the nine might sit right behind those. And, and you know, obviously size is good at working out a trip. I'm not too worried about him being able to, to tuck the nine in with a bunch of speed to his inside. I thought the two horse was really interesting. That's going to be my other must use here at 15 to one. Uh, Leperu takes them out for Spendthrift Farms. This is one of those spots where you look at that last race, and I'm just going to kind of draw a line through it. Okay, it was a $50,000 maiden special weight, so a higher level. We're dropping down now. Um, the horse was 28 to one. It was the first time off a longer layoff. I like this horse second out. I think you're going to get a much better trip. I mentioned I think there's a ton of speed. This two horse is probably going to sit right behind that first block, be able to be on the inside on both of these turns. And you go back and you look at that Saratoga race. I mean, this horse debuts at Saratoga is 32 to one. Doesn't run, runs decent. I mean, really for the level. I mean, it's a hundred thousand dollars special, maiden special at Saratoga ends up fourth, comes back in a hundred thousand dollar two turn race, runs third behind baby Blythe, Palamos, um, good horses, Faces Lady Valentine, Federalist Papers, next time out at Saratoga. Like, those horses would tower over this field, dominate them. Um, I like the fact we're getting 15-1. to 1. I like the fact we're second off. And this horse has the biggest buyers in the field. If we can run back to some of those Saratoga races, I think the two horses are a, a logical winner at a price. I kept looking at the two trying to figure out why a horse with the best buyers in this field, all against maidens, now taking a class drop, is 10-1, to 15-1, to 1, I'm sorry. And then you've got... Uh, my Sonny Valentine is nine to five, and I'm like, I don't. Where, where's the disconnect here? I don't. I don't yeah, understand. I guess the last two races, there. the last two races fell off, but also this horse is. Uh, I think the mile three sixteenths, mile and eighth. I think. I mean, this horse is cutting back. That's too far for her to be running. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm surprised the gap is that big. And my guess is that fifteen to one is not what we'll actually get here. When when they break from the gate, I'm. I'm expecting we're gonna get closer to five or six to one. From what I can tell, this is the only horse Spendthrift has with Jenna Antonucci, too. I was, I was kind of looking into that. Um, either I did not use either of these horses. Uh, I'm not going to fault you for the two, but the nine at nine to five. Mike, this horse has never been lower than 11 to one, and you're taking nine to five with an outside post draw. I mean, woof, woof. And this horse, by the way, those two turf races – just kind of runs in place. I know she advanced a little bit on the Chad Brown winner last out, but she still didn't look like she had a lot of that kick. She just kind of runs around. This is a significantly easier field than either of those two turf races. Wow, I hope so, boy. I mean, I, I think this is a 
I mean, we always talk about New York coming down to Florida. Yeah, this is a big time drop off in my mind. This 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 spot for the nine. So I think you're getting a huge class relief. I like the fact that you had the riders have, that have ridden her. You've got both Ortizes that have ridden her. Now you're getting Saez. I mean, the horse clearly has talent. I think it's just finding the uh, the right the right field here. And then join the dots. The horse that won three back came back and won a stakes race. So I, I, the fields that that, mm-hmm. that this horse faced have been actually pretty solid in my mind. So I, I think we're just getting a lot softer spot. That's why I'm winning solid. I, I also won't forget her for losing to Lady Valentine two back. It's a horse I own through my race horse who's just terrible. Uh, <laughs> she broke her maiden at parks for like a maiden special weight 25, and they promptly retired her and sold her because they knew that's as good as it was going to get. Anyways, uh, my top pick here, you and I agreed on two, so we'll get to those in a second. My top pick is not one of them. It's going to be the seven blue twirling at seven to two for Mark Cassie. Uh, this horse is taking the class drops, maiden special weight to maiden claimer for Cassie. It's 14%, not a huge angle, but I like the fact that we're putting the horse back on turf. Mark Cassie got the horse's first two starts, uh, both over this course. One of them came at a championship meet, and then the horse stuck around for a bit. The runner-up two back, Starship Enterprise, ended up becoming a turf stakes winner, so was facing better horses earlier in the year. I think this could be a likely pace setter if this horse could get loose. Rafi Hernandez and Mark Cassie are very well known for teaming up successfully at Woodbine. Let's see if they can do it at Gulfstream. They're one for two so far at the meet. Um, so I'm going to use Blue Torlin. And then my second choice is one of the ones we used. I'll kick it over to you. Ellie Gray, the three horses, six to one. We got a new shooter. That was my big angle. Yeah, uh, definitely new shooter helps. Uh, Frosted, very good first time out. Sire, so excited about that. Fox, 12% first out, but two for five going over a mile with a $21.44 ROI. Ridiculous ROI. Five, five sample size, but... Um, I like the fact that Harmio takes them out as well. I, to me, this is one of those those signs that they're gonna that Fox likes this horse. Twenty uh, eighty eight starts with Harmio at Gulfstream Park. Twenty five percent over the last two years. Harmio a send jockey. I think that we're gonna see this horse more forwardly placed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just one of those interesting spots. Right, I think getting six to one is pretty good in a race where I, I don't love anyone. Um, I was back and forth uh, on your seven. I did end up using the seven as my last horse in here. So uh, we agree on oh, that. Oh my horse. And I, it's because I think that horse is the speed. Um, I'm a little concerned that we're not going to see uh, that that horse isn't going to make the lead. And if it, the seven doesn't make the lead, the seven has only passed one horse in his career. That's not generally a, a, the type of horse you want. That's not on the pace. So, um, if, you know, I, it's another one of those horses where I'm a little concerned about the seven at the price of seven to two. But I agree. It's a class drop. You got the, the speed against better. I mean, everything about the sevens should be systems go. So I ended up four deep here. Went two, three, seven, nine. Sorry, I was looking at last race's ticket to, on that one. Uh, yeah, he passed one horse, but only because that horse quit harder than this one did because you see yeah. the gap to the winner went from three to six and a quarter. That means somebody just had a bigger anchor than that horse did. Um, that is correct. <laughs> uh, so the other two horses I used, and they were the last two for my ticket, so I don't feel that bad uh, that we didn't agree on them. I'll go with the five, Chica Boom, nine to two. Uh, slight class drop, and I say slight because it was Tampa made special weight that we faced last out, but stays on the turf. Paco's going to get aboard. Is uh, two for seven with the trainer Ruben Gracita needs a clean break but could be forwardly placed and get first run on the leaders which includes the seven horse here so I like that the horse has the tactical speed again needs that clean break Paco's aggressive handling and then I also use the eight 12 o'clock rock at six to one this is my last horse on but I like that we're uh, back on turf where the first two starts came for Mike Trombetta, who at Laurel or in the Maryland circuit is one of the top trainers there so that's why you see that the horse was pretty well backed Adds blinkers now, which is a 16% angle. We're second off of a break, which is 22%. I love that Tyler Gaffion's getting aboard. That was a trend earlier with another race. I, I love that Tyler Gaffion's going to be riding this horse. So uh, I went 5-8 with the bottom two, but I definitely agree with Mike that 7-3 and want to use here. Yeah, 5 is just... 
had too many opportunities for me and, and then not being able to, to run very well over at Tampa is never something that that's a good sign when you're going from Tampa <laughs> to Gulfstream, even though you are dropping in class. Uh, the eight, I thought was a little interesting. I, I don't blame you for using it. Interesting. We're getting back on the turf here. Um, and Trump bet is much better than that, that current percentage. So I, I don't hate that. Use it six to one. <laughs> That's going to do this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike. And I go through Wednesday's late pick four at Gulfstream. If you're watching live or the replay, thanks for joining us. Take a look below. We've got our tickets up here. Mike, I'll go first. I'm going to go three, four, six with one, two, with five, six, eight, with three, five, seven, eight for 50 cents. That's $36. Your ticket, please. I'm going to play a 50 cent ticket as well. I'm going to go two, three with two, five, eight, with one, two, three, eight, with two, three, seven, nine for 50 cents. It'll cost 48 bucks. And somehow there is a way that you and I can connect together on this ticket for not that. Let's see. We got one leg. We got one in the first, one in the second, uh, one in the third, and two in the last. Okay. Three, three, two, eight, three, two, eight, seven, maybe three, two, eight, three. Yeah, I like it. We'll get it home. Whichever has the better price there. Probably goes to the three horse. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, the weekend was a little slow, so we want to try and do something a little different. But I don't want to go completely away from it because we did have a Kentucky Oaks prep and then another horse who looked like a Kentucky Oaks threat in a Dari Manor win. Uh, but did you have any thoughts on the horse racing weekend at large you wanted to share? Or are you just ready to talk about football? I mean, I, honestly, the biggest story out of horse racing broke, what, 30 minutes before we came on? Uh, that was sweet. <laughs> Kentucky Derby Media pretty much doubled down and said, screw you, Bob Baffert. Um, and, and so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, you and you and Aaron recorded a video that I thought was interesting about the Baffert and really the three possible options, which is skip the Derby, new trainer, Baffert sues. I, I still think we're going to see litigation from the camp, of the Baffert camp. Um, Definitely sounds like it now. <laughs> that's been his move. And, and it seems like I, I wouldn't be shocked if they said something to Churchill, and that's what prompted that tweet. Um, for them to say, hey, we're going to try and stand our ground. But I, I would be surprised if we don't see some legal action from Bob Baffert in the very near future here. But, man, I, I, you could also kind of see this. You remember when, like, the Patriots and Randy Moss went on the FU tour and, and they, they set new records and put up a bunch of uh, – the way they, they – Yes. My touchdowns. You yep. could kind of see a Bob Baffert FU tour toward the Derby. It would be really interesting if he does go balls to the wall and try and take as many Derby points away from people as possible. And you have these, like – horses with 10 points qualifying for the derby because baffert's won a bunch of 100 point races and gotten zero points for them um so it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out but yeah this is the the, the uh, tweet here from cdi saying that they're committed to protecting the integrity and the future of the horse racing industry uh none of the uh, no one is above the rules including mr baffert we remain intent on holding him accountable for his actions it, it sounds like something's coming right i mean this is just it sounds like something's coming down the pipe here from the baffert camp and I'm not surprised because if, if this is CDI stance, which good for CDI, I'm glad this is their stance, yes. the correct stance to have, um, appreciate them having that stance and, and taking it to them. That probably means that you're going to see something um, from Baffert here in the near term. Uh, and it seemed like it was in response to the Joe Drape story in the New York Times uh, about Churchill Downs and their fight with Baffert. And I read it. And uh, Joe Drape, I'm not always a fan of because uh, I'm not always a fan of his takes with horse racing. But I thought he did a great job in this story. So go check that out. Um, racing Dudes retweeted. I think I retweeted it too. So uh, definitely great. And by the way, you brought up Bob Baffert going on this the FU tour. Um, since the meet started, last 12 starters – Eight wins, two seconds for Baffert. I mean, and it doesn't matter if it's – it's actually been mostly Velasquez. Baffert's only been in for uh, two of those wins now. I think Pratt and Baffert are two for five together. It's mostly Johnny V. If you see Johnny V in a Baffert horse, play it, play it, play it, play it. <laughs> I would love to know how – so four of those horses have lost. I bet at least – 
three of them have lost to another Baffert horse too. Like because you, there's a bit I know for Rockefeller. Like, yeah, I mean, I I can think of two stakes races where he had two horses. So uh, right there, there you go. Right. Um. So yeah, it he's man. We'll we'll see what happens with this. It's be interesting to kind of keep an eye on it. But yeah, to me, this was the biggest news of the weekend. Is it's that. Churchill Downs plans to play hardball, which again, good for Churchill Downs. They should, um, and we'll see what the Baff- how the Baffert camp responds to it. Yeah, it's uh, well. Listen, uh, you brought up the video that Aaron and I did. And thanks for bringing that up. It's on YouTube.com/slash/RacingDudes. It's very easy to find. Go to the Kentucky Derby playlist if you're having any trouble. But uh, yeah, we were both like, "Well, suing is an option," and then this happens, and we're like, "Suing is gonna happen." Yeah. <laughs> Lawsuit incoming. Uh, you know what's also incoming tonight is. Real, real oh wait, I, nope. I, there you go. I think this is interesting from Joshua. Just one question, guys. Do you think Bob is good or bad for the sport? Uh, I think he was good for the sport, and now he is bad for the sport. I, I think that it, 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 the narrative got flipped when you tested positive in all of the grade ones last year that he tested positive in <laughs> yeah. uh, in Arkansas, and then what happened at the Derby, right? And and it's just you, you can't have this many – you can't have this much smoke, right? And, and when you do have this much smoke and then things happen – it, the, the magnifying glass just gets shown down on, on the horse racing industry like an ant in the sun. And it's a terrible look, terrible situation. And then you have what happened with Medina's spirit and the horses that have died under his care and everything else that, that just continues to give the sport black eyes. And so, you know, back in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, um, when the microscope wasn't as bright, he probably was good for the sport. It probably was good to have this this person out there who was having a bunch of success and, and, and training in California and having that that California juxtaposition to the New York and the Kentucky circuits. Um, that, you know, now I would say und- undoubtedly he is bad for the sport because you don't see any positive news stories about horse racing in the general media and on CNN, on, on Fox News, on, uh, you know, ESPN, on any NBC Sports even, who has horses all the time, has tough time putting positive stories out there. So it's just become, you know, a black eye in a lot of ways. Yeah, you said it perfect. I will agree with you and, and leave it that you said it perfect. I don't really have much to add there other than it just he's, yeah, at this point he's a net negative. Um, and I would love... I was so angry when they had the his impromptu press conference after the Medina Spirit bro- news broke in front of his barn. I was so angry for that whole thing because I thought everybody was still kissing his ass. But I wanted because at one point he was like, "Well, I don't know. It's getting kind of hard, and it's you know people are questioning if I'm still good." And I wanted to be like, "Do you think you're still?" Because I want to ask him point blank, like you know, to his yeah. face, "Do you think you're still good for that?" His ego will say yes, but um, I would love to put him on the spot for that. But well, just real quick, one more antidote. Uh, I, I actually met Bob Baffert, and I actually had a horse with him at one point. And I did not, like at that time, I was not as involved in the horse racing mm-hmm. side. It was very casual for me. It was something where I love going to the racetrack, but I don't follow it on a day-to-day basis. And I didn't uh, necessarily know uh, how he trained or what he did to, to kind of get through or, or break through with these horses. Um, and I saw him after the day after. So he had a horse running in a turf sprint, a maiden claimer in California, the day after he won the Breeders' Cup Classic. And I remember meeting him, remember shaking his hand. And as someone who is a casual person in the sport, I, I thought it was cool. I was excited about meeting Bob Baffert. And to me, that that's a positive for the sport, right? But then, you know, now I would never, if I owned horses still, I would never, ever have a horse in his care. I would like, and to me, it's just, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's interesting because... You know, even as someone who who was a fan of the sport, like I, yeah, I fell for it, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you 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 you'd learn, you live, and you you change. Yeah, he was the reason he became a big star with became the media darling in the face of the sport. He's very uh, he's charismatic. He's, yeah, very charismatic. I think so. that's the word I was trying to find. Um, yeah, I mean, the first few times I met him, hanging around when he stood at a Clocker's Corner in the morning and hanging around. I mean, the guy's just constantly, and he's such sharp witted. There's part. 
it sucks because I'm like the guy is like he's really fun. There's parts when they're really great, but man, there's just that asshole side of him that she just uh, can't get past. The Josh mentioned uh, his lawsuit with his win against Naira. So what happened with this is that Baffert Naira banned him, and Baffert sued to get the ban removed, and the judge said, okay. There's an injunction, but like they're still allowed to have a hearing. Baffert wanted to dismiss completely, and the judge said, no, they just jumped the gun. They have to hold a hearing. So there's a hearing coming up, uh, I think. this Is it this month, Mike? I want to say it's actually coming up really soon, uh, where they'll actually go before a third party, and the third party will say, can Naira ban him because of what happened in the Derby? And if, that, if, if they say yes, that's going to be huge for the sport because that means anybody can do it anywhere. It will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. And, and I don't know if that means that anyone could do it anywhere because the laws in horse racing are so effed up that everywhere you go, <laughs> the rules are completely different. It's one of the biggest issues with the sport right now. They like to honor the, I guess what I was thinking is they like to honor jurisdiction. So like, yeah. yeah so Irag gets banned for a month in Gulfstream. He can't come hide at Santa Anita for a month. So, well, but you know, Baffert does love to hide at Santa Anita, but Hey, let's move on. Let's get, I want to talk about something fun and get this taste out of my mouth here. It was important to bring up. I'm glad you, uh, thank you for asking that question. I'm glad we talked about it. Never, never shy away from asking questions, but I do want to talk real quick. The national championship game tonight, Mike, uh, I locked in Alabama plus three and a half. I don't know what the line is now. I feel like Alabama is going to roll tonight. What are your thoughts, Alabama, Georgia? Man, it's interesting. Uh, it's back to three right now. Juice to minus okay. twenty on the plus three. So you got you got the three and a half when it was available. I tweeted something out right when it went to three and a half. It lasted about fifteen minutes, and then it, everywhere went back to three again. So major Bama money came in at three and a half there. This is a really interesting game, and you know the the reason I think this is so interesting is you have a wild motivation flip between the SEC title game where Georgia didn't need to win. They were in the, the they were going to make the playoff, win or lose. Alabama had to win that game to make the playoff, right? So you have a massive motivation flip there. Now you have this championship game. And yeah, I, I'm not going to say Georgia didn't get up for the SEC game, championship game. They were clearly up for that. I'm not going to make that argument. But you're going to see a much more motivated Georgia team tonight. I, I think you're going to get Georgia's best effort for Alabama I didn't love how Bama looked against Cincinnati. I think that the Meeks injury is a big thing. I mean, here's the thing. Georgia was a seven-point favorite in the SEC title game. Not that much has changed except that Alabama lost their number one wide receiver, and now that they're only a three-point favorite. So either the market was way off, which totally could be correct, or the line was is way off now. And uh, so it's, it's one of those where it's just it's A or B. I'm not really sure which it is. My eyes told me Alabama is way more athletic and way better in that SEC title game. I would take the points over not playing the game. If, if I'm going to bet the game, I'm going to take the points. I'm probably going to play Alabama money line, to be honest with you, because I think that <laughs> the likelihood that, that Georgia wins by three is actually pretty low. I think either Bama wins rather easily or Georgia wins rather easily. I don't think you're going to see that close of a game. Um, so I, I would rather play Bama money line. I think that's probably the direction I'm going to lean. I kind of like the over, which is surprising in this spot. It's 52 right now. Um, but I, I kind of lean toward the over because I think that if Bama starts to score, Georgia has to open it up. And, and it didn't look like mm. Georgia could stop Bama that much in the SEC title game. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see a, a, a you know, not a, not a shootout, but if you see something in the, you know, let's say 35, 32 range, 30, you know, somewhere around there. What are the chances, just play devil's advocate because I didn't watch the game. What are the chances that Bama was fairly confident they were going to whoop Cincinnati? But probably I think a lot of people betters were, uh, and they just said we'll just do what we need to, and they weren't a hundred percent because they pretty much were like we're rematching Georgia, and they were they were almost already past the game. How likely is that, even though it was the semifinals for the playoffs? 
maybe five percent chance. The thing is, and the reason okay. why I, I consistently and I, I tweeted out before first half, Bama first half, bet it in that Cincinnati game. The reason why Bama first half is so good is because Saban is good at rolling teams in the first half. And the fact that it got took a little while to get to get rolling against Cincinnati, and specifically it was the pass rush of Cincinnati that was getting to Bryce Young, that Bama's quarterback. If if you and we didn't see that pass rush in the first game. I mean, he was scrambling around a little bit, but we didn't see Georgia absolutely attacking him the way Cincinnati did. If we see Georgia come after him and they have a little bit better luck up front in this game and they're able to get consistent pressure on Bryce Young, that's what changes this. That's what flips us. Bryce Young had a epic game in that SEC title game. Threw for over 400 yards. It by far the most anyone's thrown against that Georgia defense before. It was because of the lack of pressure up front with the front four. If they're able to get that pressure and Georgia has the horses to get it, then that is what could flip this game. And, and that's what I didn't like is that Cincinnati was able to get Bryce Young off his spot. He had to scramble. He had to move. He made a couple bad throws because he was on the move. That, that to me, is what could flip this game. Over at racingnews.com slash sports, you can get Papa Dude's full in-depth coverage of this. And I was breezing through the article. I love when he breaks down big games like this. And he says, who's got the advantage at quarterback? Who's got the advantage? It's positional breakdowns, and he uses that to help him decide where he went. So if you want to figure out where he goes here, uh, take a look. Racingnews.com slash sports. Papa Dude has been really great with the college football. And you know what else has been great all college football season long, Mike, as we wrap up here, uh, is the Dudes Who Bet Sports. And they're doing something special tonight in two hours. So starting at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, they're going to be doing a live stream of the national championship game. So I'm trying to get the load on my computer. Maybe it'll load before we get out of here. But they are going to be covering this. So like if you want to watch the national championship game, say you're like me where you don't really care about the announcers that much or you know what's going on, but you want to have a great time and be entertained, this is the one to watch because these guys I know will be cursing and yelling. Uh, Aaron, I'm sure, was drink will be drinking. He was drinking when we did those seven videos earlier today, so I'm sure he's going to keep the party going uh, in this spot. So uh, definitely tune into this one. Like I mentioned, that's going to be coming on at uh, five East, five, five Pacific, eight Eastern. Very cool. Yeah, that'll be a blast, man. I'm I'm mad at Aaron. I didn't get invited. Well. <laughs> it is the, I, the fans if you've been watching the dudes who bet sports uh, the fans myself included have been calling for this for all year long we, because when Papa Dude gets heated about something and goes off on a rant uh, it's just like, gone he, he's gone and then Papa Dude keeps going with him and, and Aaron knows how to press the buttons on Papa Dude to get him angry so <laughs> yeah, that's why we want to do it uh, I haven't actually heard from Aaron I'm surprised he hasn't shown up in the background of our show that maybe it's because he's already hammered yeah I, I, would, I would assume that's why <laughs> <laughs> uh, any final thoughts we got out here mike no no uh sam houston was fun the first couple days a couple crazy odds changes um one of the things that was still like super like yes the horses dropped huge in the odds of the gate but the multi-races still paid out big time for those horses which was, to me was kind of one of those keys so if you liked them before the race you had live and multis they still paid out which was nice um and some good will pays man uh the, the, the money back on, on those days were, were huge every day so uh, pick threes especially coming back here so looking forward to more sam houston this week uh, looking forward to Gulfstream getting going, getting that aqueduct back. We've been all over it there. So, yeah, uh, having fun with horse racing. Looking forward to it. And then we got the playoffs in the NFL, too. It'll be fun next weekend. Yeah, that's happening. Uh, college basketball is ramping up. March Madness is getting closer. The NBA is starting to ramp up if you care about that. But as Michael Meyer says, don't forget to take your betting dollars to <laughs> Sam Houston. And, Michael, shout out to you because Michael I saw on Twitter was calling out uh, the <laughs> all of the uh, the odds changes, those late plummets. People were messaging me saying, hey, your friend Michael has been calling out these odds changes on Twitter. So congrats to you uh, for being sharp on that. Congratulations to you, the listener slash viewer, for tuning into the best show about covering horse racing, the Magic Mike Show. We'll be back on Thursday with another sequence to cover. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. 
Follow us on Twitter at Curtis Keller at SMO18 at Racing underscore dudes. See you Thursday. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.